the lens that we looked through in part one of this series and how the lens of the kingdom of God changes the perspective that we have on life completely. Uh, because if we have a lens that's focused just on the here and now, then that's exactly what we get. We get the here and now. And so somehow we've got to have a way that there's a dual focus, that there's something when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's dual focus, that it's, it's here and now, but it's also what's to come. And because when we look through that lens of what's to come, then we can get through what is here and now. And because how many of you all know, thank you, how many of you know that sometimes here and now is pretty brutal, right? And so the here and now sometimes is scary, but through the lens of the kingdom of God, which we see that there's something beyond right now, that there's something to come. And sometimes the reality, and I think that, I don't know, if for you all, and you don't have to raise your hands or anything, but for, you, for me, that song, I don't know, it just hits me right where I'm at. And I don't, I don't think it's just for right now. I just think it's like, that's a song that speaks about life. And I think that for Jen and I, that song is like almost an anthem right now. And because we know this isn't the end, we know that we're in the business of allowing God to shape us so that other people's lives can be impacted. And when you say yes to God, you're not just saying yes for salvation. You're saying, yes, God, have your way in my life so that other people's lives can be changed. See, because again, we don't exist as Christians so that we can have an eternal salvation alone. It is so that other people can come to know Jesus as well. The church doesn't exist so that we can have a country club meeting on Sunday. It exists because it can impact and is designed to impact culture. So that might seem like a big task. And it might seem like, well, I mean, am I even up for that? Because there are days that, like me a few days ago, where you're just weak and you don't feel like doing anything and you don't care how much stuff the kids left in the yard because you just don't have the energy to deal with it, right? And so... That lens is so important. But here's this situation that we're in. We're in this part two of this series, and I think the graphics on there, Sarah, I don't know if it is. Honestly, two tiers if it's not. It'll just look exactly the same, and it'll say part two, and it'll say the waiting. Okay? So pretend with me. And if if you can't get it, like, seriously, don't worry about it. 
So we're going to talk about the waiting today. Uh, for many people, waiting is the absolute worst thing in life, all right? I mean, waiting is just brutal, all right? We've all heard people say stuff like this before, and, you know, if you're a sinner, you might have said stuff like this before, too. We'll pray for you. It goes like this. Why is this taking so long? Okay, I've been here for four minutes already. This is as you're sitting in your car at a fast food restaurant drive-through, okay? Or the light turns green and you honk the horn immediately, or your spouse encourages you to use your horn, <laughs> and you say to yourself, and you say to yourself maybe something like this, or you say it out loud, what is wrong with these people, Right? I was like, why are you clapping? Like, is everybody relating to that? Like, is everybody the, the jerk with the horn? Like, you're like, nah, dead, just spoke to me. Let's pray. We're leaving. All right. Thank you. Sarah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's the only clap I'll get today. Um, and so, and it wasn't even for me. So you honk and you say something like this. What is wrong with these people? Only to realize you're the only person in the car and you're talking to yourself. Um, just don't answer that question. Uh, or maybe you're at the doctor and it's taking forever at the express care clinic. And, or maybe, I'm sorry, did you say it was going to take 30 minutes to fill my prescription? Are you serious? Okay. And for this antibiotic, you know? Or maybe you pray this, dear God, I just need you to do A, B, and C in that order, and I really need it within the next two days. And you don't, it doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen at all, or it doesn't happen immediately. And so then maybe you begin to doubt even the existence of God. And so I believe that as we look at waiting, we have to ask this question, is waiting really the worst or are we just the worst at waiting? See, is it our jaded attitude? Is it our feeling of that we deserve, we are entitled to not wait. I mean, we're Americans for God's sakes. Why should I have to wait for anything? The only problem is, like the song said, God, can you take the boxes down that I've tried to put you in? I just have some bad news that God's not American, and he doesn't care that you are either. Because you're American, God will work faster? Because you're American, it doesn't require you to have patience and wait. The kingdom of God should come instantaneously. Well... 
How's that working out for you? See, I believe this. It's our attitude that causes the weight to be so bad. You honk the horn because you want to go somewhere maybe that you don't even want to go. You complain about a prescription that's taken 30 minutes to fill that can't be had by over half the world. You complain about the weight in a line at a fast food restaurant Why four people die of starvation. And I say you and me. And I ask God for things that he doesn't give me because I don't need them. And then I don't think he exists. And so we need to become better at waiting. And I was going to say that it's hard for Westerners to understand how to wait well. But then I thought more about the problem of waiting. And it, it's not a Western problem. I've been to several places around the world. It's not a Western problem. It's a human condition that we're impatient that we want things our way. And we can see this in, the, in, in Genesis. We can see this with Adam and Eve. Because that's where it starts, right? They're not satisfied with what was given to them. And they take what they know they shouldn't have. And so we think about this, and we think about, man, no, it's not a Western problem. It's not an American problem, because we can put it in any context, and the context can change. But people are generally impatient. Think about yourself for a second. Get real with yourself for just a second. Bottom line Whose rear end are you looking out for? Whose butt are you going to save in the end? Noble, if you say somebody else, I'm happy for you. I don't know if I could say that. Like if we're going to be 100% for real. And so Jesus addresses waiting. Uh, in a very, I mean, you know, several times. We're going to look at a few passages today. We're going to look at a passage from Paul as well. But in Luke 24, 49, which is actually, it's going to lead straight into Acts 1. Uh, Luke and Acts, you guys, like Acts is part, part two of Luke. You guys, basically, it is for sure. And so 24, 49 says this. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. 
Go ahead and go to Acts 1 with me. Um, let's do, start with verse 4. And it says, uh, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they say this to him, they say, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if we flip back to Matthew 28, should sound very familiar to that last verse we read there. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, this, the second half of the Great Commission says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Dude, I'm reading these scriptures and I'm like, what in the world, okay? But then this next one just kind of threw me on the, for a little loop here of excitement. I know it might not seem like it, but I'm excited. All right, I promise you I am. Romans 8, 18. And we're going to read a few verses here. Hang with me. The lens, okay? The lens, the perspective that we're looking through. All right, this is called the future glory. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Kind of talked about that earlier. Against its will. Do you understand that we are the earth, okay? Creation is in, going and heading towards being right again. And so unlike Adam and Eve who decided to be selfish, we have the authority on earth to rule over earth. When we talk about, you know, oh, tree huggers, they probably have the right idea, okay? Bad news for some, you know, people that don't care about the environment. It's our responsibility. So against his will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, 
The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from the death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we know, for we long for bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Now, I want us to get a picture here of what that must be like, because if we've if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you know how good that is, but you say this. It says this. We groan, and even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, this is just a foretaste of the future glory. So if this is a foretaste of the future glory, then can I wait well? Our bodies are going to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And we've got to pay attention to this next line because it talks eloquently about waiting if we were already if we already have something we don't need to hope for it another translation for hope for it is we don't need to wait for it but if we look forward to something that we don't have we must wait patiently and confidently see our confidence is not in the here and now if it's in the here and now, look around and tell me that's where your confidence is because what, what you want today in two weeks, you don't want. So if we're putting on our hope in things that aren't really going to last eternally, then what are we doing? And I'm talking, let me just address this. I'm talking marriages in here. If we idolize marriages so much that we put them before God and we want the perfect marriage to be seen by everybody, but I'm not, I don't, there's no depth to it, we have nothing. If we have a seen relationship with Jesus Christ that is seemingly deep, yet there is no time that is actually spent in communion with him, we have nothing. Patient and confidently, we hope for what we don't have in full right now. See, in the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads 
just want us to stop there. The creator of all things, the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit pleads for us. We can wait well knowing that God is pleading for us according to his will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. I want to talk. I'm going to repeat that, not just because Jolene just. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to. I, I really, I want us to explore that because I'm going to read it a little bit slower. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them. Now, this is the same God who the Holy Spirit is pleading for believers in harmony with God's own will. And for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, again, that's not something for us to wear a badge that says, you know, yeah, I'm a believer. See, because we can come in these doors and we can say we're a believer or we can fake like we're a believer. We can be a smooth talker. We can do all this stuff. But honestly, what does it mean? What does that mean? Because if I'm reading this, dude, this is dangerous stuff. If I'm reading it correctly, because if we're to become like Christ, well, what happened to Christ? Well, Christ was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth? Does that mean that my life isn't my own? Does that mean, Father, not my will be done, but yours? Or do I get a pass on that? Does it mean that part of your life in, by the world's standards might suck? Does it mean that you have, are going to go through problems and trials? Yeah. Let me just say this again. He chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. 
So to take that lightly, to say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a brother or a sister of Christ is to take lightly what Christ did then. And it's just passe for what Christ did, yeah. I mean, I want the glory of Christ, but I mean, if I have to go through any suffering, can we please modify that? Can we Americanize that? Is there some translation that says, takes out some of that stuff? You know, and I, I mean, I'm not busting on us because, I mean, there's people that are doing the stuff here, okay? Here's what I'm going to say, though. Is there more? Like, have you gotten to a point where it's just okay to be where you are? Like, God, I've sacrificed enough. Really? What does that mean? What does that mean to sacrifice enough for God? And so, and having, I love this verse, and having chose them, he called them to come to him. And because he called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And so I introduced this term last week, it's nothing new, and, but patient action seems like an oxymoron. How can you be patient with action? But it's not, because we serve a God that has come and is coming. See, so we went through the Advent season. God is here. He is in heaven. And he is coming back. And he's here still? Yeah. When we talk about the reign of the kingdom of God or the, let's say, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, what does that mean? In our waiting, we will experience the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Read the, I encourage you, read the Bible and watch how much waiting went on. Right? We read it like it's an action Bible, you know? Like, dude, this junk was just, you know. What about the intertestimonial period? Four or five hundred years of just silence. God was like, I'm just going to take a siesta. Um, see you guys on the flip, okay? Uh, you know, what about uh, Abram? God, I'm old as dust, man. What are you? <laughs> I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a kid. My wife is going to have a child. Okay, have you seen her? Okay. not going to say that. Okay. That was really wise. <laughs> I've been going through Proverbs. Um, 
I want to say it. I'm not going to. Okay, so patient action, right? Like, man, like, God, what are you doing? And, and we pray for this stuff, and sometimes stuff happens, and sometimes stuff doesn't happen, and it's the reality of living in that tension of the now and not yet. It's when the kingdom breaks through. When we see a glimpse of his glory, when we see him provide for us in a way that we didn't think was going to happen, when we see a door finally open up, can I say that? Can I? Yay, nay. Kim, Josh. I mean, you posted it on Facebook. Okay. When we've waited for adoption, for how long? Uh, total of four years, and then you finally get the call that you're going to get a baby girl. Okay? See... Jen and I can relate to that <laughs> very well. And you get that call, though, and you realize that the waiting was worth it. And in the waiting, that God was actually molding you to prepare you for what that girl is going to come into your family that looks like your family right now that wasn't ready to come into your family three years ago. So we wait, but we don't just sit around. Read about that, right? The workers with the talents, right? The lampstands. We don't just sit around. What are we doing? And here's what I want to ask you guys. If you're 25 or under today, 25 or under? Because I know the answer for 25 and older. 25 and under, raise your hand. I want to see who you are. Raise them real high. You're not 25 or under? Gazered. Okay. Dude. Let me talk to you all for a second. You can put your hand down. Yes, good. Jeez. Still in high school, doesn't Okay. All right. Um, let me talk to you for a second. Because I, and look, look at me, please. Uh, what are you doing with your life? You don't have to, obviously rhetorical. That would have been really weird, 30 people coming back at me at once, okay? What are you doing with your life, though? Like, what's driving you? And let me ask you this. If you're not, if you have a relationship with God, let's say you read the Bible once a month, and you call yourself a follower of Christ, 
At what point will you start following Christ? At what point will you begin to say, God, I will do anything that you want me to do? Anything. At what point will you say, okay, this is your word. I, I, I should read it. And not once a month. I should read it every day. And I should know you. And I should care that in a world that is just maybe without standards, that I should have some standards. In a world where it's okay to be different, but I really don't want to be different for you. When are you going to say enough? Because for 25 or older, I know the answer is this. And if you guys are 25 or older, when you agree or disagree with me, that's fine. It doesn't get easier. I'd like to use a two-syllable word, if you think that, insane. Okay? When I was 25, did we, ha we had one child when I was 25. One sweet baby girl. Was she still sweet then? No, okay. Sweet-ish. She wasn't Swedish. She was sweet-ish. No, she was super sweet. And dude, we were like... This thing's just changed our life. And then we had another one. And she, yeah, she didn't like me for three years. And, and so we, but the whole while I thought, and because I'm just telling you from experience is, I'm really one day going to just pour it all out to God. And I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, when I was 19 years old, I had a life-changing experience that, I mean, I just really said, you know, enough's enough. Now, I didn't have, you know, I haven't been perfect since then by any means. All right? I know, shocked over here. But I encourage you this. If you think that your life is going to get easier, you have more time in your life than you'll ever have in your life right now. Bottom line. Okay, some of you that are 25 and under in here, you're getting married. That doesn't make it easier. Okay. Now, I will say that, well, my wife saying yes to me is literally, I mean, outside of salvation is the single best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm not saying that just so, you know, I can get a kiss. Okay. <laughs> But I'm sick anyway, so that ain't going to happen. So my motives are good, all right? But seriously. So think about that. And then, you know, and then careers happen. And where does God go? You know, to the wayside. And when he's convenient, that's when you pick him up. And I encourage you, 25 and under, please. If you're going to take anything serious outside of your social media accounts, please take Jesus seriously. No one 
gives two tears about how many likes you have. Honestly. And there's adults in here. You're the same way. Let's not play, oh, I'm 26 and older, so I have it all together. No, you don't. There are things that we allow to consume our life that does not have eternal value. And so at what point are you going to decide, hey, you know what? My eternal value is found in Jesus Christ. Therefore, my life should be dedicated to my Savior. And I will do anything. And when you say anything, please get ready. He will take you at his word. My wife looked at me and she said, Hey, I wrote Oprah. I thought we could adopt some kids. And I was like, You did what? This is a true story. She wrote Oprah after having a child and told her that we would take some of these kids. And I was like, like, I don't even like go out to eat without asking you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just ask for kids. Um, so we, we had, but that headed us down this journey of adoption. And so four kids later, plus two natural, we have a family of eight. And it has been fantastically difficult at times. <laughs> and it's been fantastic. There are 10 days that have been great, okay? <laughs> and. <laughs> I look at it, though, and overall, it has been great. Yes, is there struggles? Of course. You're raising children, and then you're raising broken children. And Jen's raising me. <laughs> I heard you. And so we look at this, though, and we think, okay, God, this for us, for us right now in this season... That is our waiting. If we're just going to be completely honest, that is our waiting. That is our challenge that we are in right now. But I know, God, if you're not done working, I'm not done waiting. I see the restoration that's taking place in these kids' lives. I see the character that's being built in my own life and in my wife's life. I see the bad stuff that needs to come out of our lives, the selfish stuff, the stuff that says, hey, would you stop acting like that? You're embarrassing me. Who cares? They don't give, I mean, <laughs> like a kid's thinking that, okay? I'm embarrassing my parents right now, all right? You're just being kids. I, I don't know, man. I just, this waiting thing, it's not that bad. It's not that bad because when we look at it and we look at it through the lens of kingdom reality, 
we are making a huge difference. And if you are taking a chance and you're speaking into somebody's life and you're taking a chance in doing it, you could change that person's life forever because you're speaking. Here's what you're speaking. You're not speaking the words that are inspired by you. You're speaking the words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit that's living within you that knows what to say when you don't know what to say. So if we change our attitude about the waiting, we change our attitude about how we're living, and we become better waiters, and we wait patiently but with action. I believe that God's going to call some people into uh, into action today. Uh, 